Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody. Just had my first fantasy draft this past weekend, Cody. I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel like the fantasy season until you get that first draft out of the way. Uh, ours a little bit early this weekend, but I've had I have a couple draft filled weekends the next two coming up. So uh, as the commissioner of my home league, I had to get this one out of the way. Went pretty well, uh, Cody. You're still waiting on your first one, or did you have one this weekend? Nope, still waiting on my first one. I've done plenty of best ball drafts uh, over the summer and and over the past couple of weeks, but I have not had any redraft leagues. Uh, Ours is going to be the first one, then I'll have one the following Wednesday, and then one the following Sunday, and then um, I have another league that's actually in the and possibly getting canceled, which would be my fourth one, so waiting to see what happens there, but... um, yeah, haven't had one yet. I cannot wait for Saturday. This weekend's going to be a great time, and uh, can't wait to get our draft on. How many mock drafts have you done since you've set up the uh, set it up? I have done, uh, I think, three at this point. I tried to include one with uh, I had a buddy a buddy join, and so we did it together. It, it was a little clunky on sleeper, so I need to kind of do some fine tuning on that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I am definitely psyched for this weekend. That's uh, that's our big one for sure. I don't know where it relies on your priority list of fantasy leagues, but it's definitely number one for me. So, uh, yeah, I, I I would hope that it's uh, also as long as we're doing this podcast, it will be by far number one. <laughs> because if I can come on here and just you know drop my balls on everyone and let them know I won, I will do it in a heartbeat. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you have gotten close the past couple of years as have I. So hopefully one of us can pull it off uh, this upcoming year. Uh, today we are going to do a little rookie running back preview. It's actually going to be at the end of the episode. We're going to kind of uh, just go over where we lie on uh, rookie running backs draft value and kind of how their preseason slash training camp performance has affected their current ADPs and just overall value moving forward uh, we have some rate rises and fallers that one a little bit more general not necessarily just rookies and then uh, I also have some news and notes as well as a couple week two preseason observations not quite as much to make uh, after not quite as much to make a week two after week one there was not a lot of starters playing but uh, we had a few things to uh, to take from it so we'll, we'll go over all of that stuff uh, we have some really interesting news and notes items as well actually I'm excited to talk about a few of these things uh, but before we get to that, we have a couple hot takes for you. Cody, I will go ahead and uh, let you kick it off because it is football related. Absolutely. Um, mine, I feel like we actually had a little bit of a discussion beforehand, and I feel like a lot of like big football people are going to be on the same side as we both are, but I feel like the casuals still just love this so much. And for me, I think Hard Knocks is completely overrated. I think if uh, – it wasn't for the lack of football leading up to it. Like if hard knocks were to, for some reason, come out, you know, after week zero of college football, I don't think it gets nearly the shine. Um, I think it's honestly not really that much fun to watch uh, anymore just because it's not really like, it's obviously football related because you're in there with the team, but like it used to be a look into like the front office and how like players were looked at and stuff like that. Now it's basically none of that. And it's a bunch of just like, you know, random guys that, you know, obviously this year at Aaron Rodgers, which is a huge part of it. So, I mean, he's kind of driving the whole thing, but outside of him, it's just been kind of, it's been boring. It's been boring for years now, honestly, and I'm just not a fan anymore. And I just think that there's a lot better football content out there than hard hard knocks nowadays. Yeah, definitely something I feel like that's been watered down a little bit as the years have gone on. Uh, a pretty novel idea when it was introduced. Uh, I, I'm not even sure, maybe 10 years ago or so, but I think I feel like with each passing year is one of those things that it's kind of lost its shine. And to this, at this point, I agree, it's not nearly as much of a a story maker as it maybe was uh, back in its infancy. But uh, hopefully, they can I don't know either just drop it or find a way to spruce it up a little bit to a degree where it makes it interesting again for you know the legitimate NFL fans. If it's going to be like this, just drop it. It's not. It's not even. I mean, I get it because again, we're deprived of football at the time that it's coming out, so it's going to have its like general audience that'll right. just watch anything football related at that time. But the content itself is nowhere near what it used to be. And even if you're a fan of the show, I think you can at least agree with that premise. I wonder what demographic is mostly watching Hard Knocks these days. If it's casual or maybe not even really NFL fans at all, then I guess I get it from the NFL's perspective just because they want to 
try and bring those people in. They're not going to have to convince guys like us to watch the NFL because we're going to probably either way. So I get it from that perspective, but I think you're right. It could use a little bit of a, uh, a jazzing up or maybe just a total reconcept uh, on, on the idea. But I'm going to go off the board uh, as far as NFL goes with my uh, hot take. Cody, I think you're going to go ahead and agree with me based on uh, your pet situation at home, but mine's right to the point. Cats are better than dogs, guys. Uh, I've always been a cat guy going uh, back to my young childhood. I don't dislike dogs. I have a couple of them. Uh, they're, they're great animals as well, but I just feel like uh, a cat's affection kind of means more than a dog's affection. A, a lot of times, all you have to do to earn a dog's trust is you know, give them a treat, say hi. Uh, there's not a lot to it usually, but a cat, I feel like when a cat likes you, you really had to work for that. So I, I just appreciate that aspect of uh, the animal, you know, dichotomy there. But uh, Cody, do you agree with me or do you just have cats out of necessity of living in an apartment? Okay, we're back. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll just, I'll edit it out. No, 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 no. I'll just, I'll edit. We're going to go back in. I'm just going to pick up right off, off your take. If it does it again, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it. I'll figure it out on the back end. Okay. I'm not redoing all of that. Um, okay. So you dogs over cats, blah, 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 blah. All right. Uh, yes, Nick, I do tend to agree with you as someone, if you are watching on YouTube and you've watched any of the other fantasy content, I think that you have probably seen my cat somewhere in the videos at some point. He is pretty much always next to me. I mean, the setup I have now no longer allows him to sprawl across my desk because he would do it just about every single podcast and it made it extremely annoying. So I literally have a stool set up with my laptop, with my camera, so that way I could do the podcast and there's no room for a cat. That is how much uh, my how much my cat loves me. And I think that with that, I just, whatever it is that made made him that way, he, he loves me quite a bit. I will, I don't know if I necessarily agree because I haven't really had a dog since I lived back home yeah. with my mom. So I don't know Like if I had a really cool dog that, you know, I really, really love that might be on the other side of that. I understand where dog people come from, but I, on the premise of a cat's affection does mean more. I do tend to agree because I also have another cat yeah. that cannot stand me for some reason. <laughs> and it is like the most heartbreaking thing in the world that this cat just hates my guts for some, some unknown reason. So I, I, I actually really like that hot take. That was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's always been a, a pretty, uh, close hot take that I've, I've pretty much held since I was a kid. But yeah, it, it all kind of comes back to the fact that, um, you know, when I, when I'm like sitting on the couch and my dog's laying next to me, it's like, I, I think you're just, you're laying next to me cause there's not somebody else here to, to give you any attention, but the cat, the cat would go hide <laughs> under the bed if somebody else was there. And, you know, I, I just appreciate that about them. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into these news and notes. I feel like it's actually going to take a little bit of time here, but Cody, uh, you want to hit that drop for me? Have you heard the news? Time for Nick's news and notes from around the NFL. I love Solid. it. Let's go, Nick. Excellent. What you got Gets for me us? pumped up. All right. So uh, I'm going to lead off with this. This was actually broke earlier today. Uh, so we're not going chronological here because this one is probably the biggest one off the top. Jonathan Taylor. He has been given permission to seek a trade. Uh, Miami is in on negotiations reportedly. Now, uh, Austin Eckler was also given the same permission earlier this summer. Nothing ended up coming of it. The Chargers ended up just restructuring his contract. Uh, so this doesn't mean that he is definitely going to get traded. Uh, I guess I'll save my thoughts for that after uh, you give me – what do you think What do you think about this information? Are you assuming he's going to get dealt? Do you think he's going to still be with the Colts week one? Uh, how do you see this shaking? I – since Miami is in on it and they just do not seem to be very satisfied with the running back room, obviously talking with Dalvin Cook beforehand, it seems like they're going to add somebody at some point. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taylor would obviously be a huge add. Outside of Miami, um, I don't even want to – can't believe I'm saying this considering we have a bet on it, but I think Minnesota would be a really cool spot for him to go to. Um, and then outside of that, like we kind of just have some weird in and out kind of places that don't really make a lot of sense. Even really Minnesota doesn't either. They don't need to spend more money on offense. They're going to have to pay Justin Jefferson and obviously their quarterback situation. Honestly, that's right. what I don't get is at this point in camp, if you are making the trade for them, 
Like, is the expectation that you are also then going to give him a contract because you're going to be giving up assets and a big running back contract, which no one seems willing to do right now. So if that is what he is expecting a team to do, I think it's wrong on Jonathan Taylor's part. I also have heard this on multiple podcasts, so this isn't new information, but it's unbelievable how Jim Ursay will be like, you're not worth paying, but at the same time, it's, we want a first round pick for you. Yeah. Like if someone's worth a first round pick, they are most likely also worth being paid. Right. So that makes zero sense. I I don't really know. I think he ends up being on the Colts. He may have a chance to hold out. He's 24, didn't have the first round contract. I wouldn't if I was a running back, just because I don't think you're going to get value by holding out. But if the, he is the only situation where I could see it somewhat making sense if he really wanted to make a stand against Jim Irsay and the Colts. But I do believe he will be a Colt week one and he will be playing. Yeah, I think he'll be a Colt week one as well. Uh, and like you said, he's going to play because uh, he's got one year left on his deal. If he comes out of this, uh, you know, comes out of this year healthy, looks good. I think he'll get a decent contract as far as running backs are concerned. He's still pretty young. Uh, they could franchise tag him depending on what the number is, but that situation could get very untenable very quickly. Uh, you know, uh, considering that it already is that way, I feel like the Colts might, you know, try to at least leverage that into a trade at that point because Taylor would probably not play on the franchise tag next year. But yeah, being that it's so close to the start of the season, I think if you're a Taylor owner, you'd probably rather him just stay with the Colts. I don't see him getting traded to a different team and automatically being the bell cow number one. Uh, and you know, the only teams that are going to trade for him are teams that are in Super Bowl contention right now. So, uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense for one of those teams to, to trade, you know, significant assets for him. Like you said, they want a first round pick. They're not going to get that. Uh, they might get a second and a future, you know, mid round pick or something like that. But, uh, to do that and give him a contract is just not something these type of organizations do. The Eagles, the Chiefs, those type of teams do not pay running backs big bucks because it's smart to not do that. So. I don't see him getting traded. I think a dark horse, if I had to throw one out there, would be the Bears. It makes a little bit of sense. They still have a ton of cap room. Mm. They are still going to be a super run-heavy offense, presumably. They have a young, decent running back on a rookie contract to send back to the Colts um, you know, to kind of fill that void that Taylor would leave. So I think they are the one team I could see making sense, but I don't know if they're close enough to being a finished product as a team to, to make that type of move. But... I think the rest of the teams you laid out, like Miami's the favorite, like we said. I just I just don't see it. They, they spent a third-round pick on A-Chain already. Are they really going to give up you know, two more picks and or a first-rounder for Taylor and pay him big money when they have $30 million a year for Tyreek Hill? They, don't, they haven't paid Waddle or to, uh, Tua yet, so I, I don't know if I see it for them, but uh, I, think, I think he ends up on the Colts week one, and he will probably play the year out in Indianapolis. This is just a little too late in the game for this news to come out. I actually like your Bears take because the Bears are set up very similar to the Colts right now. Yeah. So yeah. And if you were to go to the Bears, it would be a very, very similar situation. So both the player and the fantasy player, I think, would work very well on the Bears. Um, it would be good for Taylor, so, too, like yeah, you said. Yeah. If he, yeah, if that happens, that's super cool. But I, I like I said, it's probably Colts or nothing. If he goes to Miami, Miami better cash in on a Super Bowl because, I mean, they are, they are putting everything on the credit card and just – they're basically pulling a Rams situation, and I don't know if Tua is on Matt Stafford's level and going to be able to take them to a Super Bowl. So right. I actually saw a Facebook comment say that Mike White is going to be the quarterback that takes Miami to a Super Bowl. So a la Nick Foles. <laughs> if that's yeah. the case, I'll, I'll be I'll be wrong, but uh, yeah, no, I I Miami being in on it's no surprise. I just I couldn't imagine them pulling the trigger on that. Yeah, Miami would be great for Taylor, too, if they did actually trade for him and pay him money. They, they would be saying they're going to invest significant assets in him, and we already saw, you know, they plugged in Mostert, they plugged in Jeff Wilson. Both of them were very productive when they were given work in that offense, and Taylor is younger and much better than both of those backs. So uh, for Taylor's sake, I think Miami's probably the best landing spot. I just don't know if I see it happening. Uh, the the Chicago Bears coach, Matt Eagleflus, uh former uh, Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator as well. So another connection uh, to that end. I will surely gloat if I end up getting that one right. Although I won't know how, I don't know if I'll be thrilled with the, as a Justin Fields fantasy owner that Taylor is going to be taking a lot of the goal line work. But uh, anyway, we'll see how that plays out. We're expecting him to, uh, to stay on the Colts at this point. 
Good news for Josh Jacobs, owners slash drafters. Uh, he is expected to end his holdout and report to the team before week one. We expected this, but uh, this has been widely reported by some credible sources. So I think we can pretty safely say he will be back with the team and he will be playing this year for the Las Vegas Raiders. So you can cross that concern off the list for Josh Jacobs. Go ahead and draft him in, um, you know, round two, uh, round, you know, late, early round three if you can get him. So if you've bought the dip on him, congratulations. Yep. A um, couple names here. Would you take him over Bijan Robinson? No, I'll take Bijan. Bijan Saquon? Uh, I'll stick with Saquon, but that's close. Say Derek Henry. Mm, that's a good one. I'll I'll still stick with Henry, but again, I think you're right in the, the same. So he's range. right. Okay. I think I so you, I didn't move him up that much. Second rounder. Yeah, I'd I'd say that I moved him up ahead of guys like Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I would struggle with him in yeah. Pollard. I'd probably still take Pollard better offense, but um, he he only moved up a couple spots. I think I was never really uh, you know completely buying that he was going to sit this year out. So I just I have other concerns as far as the you know Raiders offense is concerned that you know kind of scared me off of Josh Jacobs, not necessarily the contract situation. Yeah. I'm probably maybe a little bit higher. I'd probably still go Saquon and Bijan over him, but I think I'm taking him over Derrick Henry and Tony Pollard pretty comfortably. Fair so enough. Just again, the off the offense is scary, but the player that we saw last year was just phenomenal. So um, obviously, you hope a contract issue doesn't come up at all during the season. That's I don't know if that's even a concern at this point anymore, I don't think so. or if he's just gonna. It's just so weird for all these players to just be like, hold down. It's like, nah, right, I didn't get a contract. Darn it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> here, I, here I am. I'm I think it's a, up. it's kind of an emotional thing for them when they end up making the, you know, the statement at the beginning yeah. of camp. And then, you know, the reality really sets in for them. They kind of, they've, they've seen running backs go down this road and have it not work out for them. A lot of these guys just want to make their money while they can. The, the shelf life is very short for running backs. It is not a fair system, but it is a system they have right now. So. Uh, they are going to have to, yep. yeah, they get, you got to play when 10 million bucks is on the table as a running back. Yeah. The next three are all injury related. You want to blitz the room real quick? Yes. JSN, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba of the Seattle Seahawks. He has a broken bone in his wrist, had surgery to repair it. That sounds bad, but, uh, only a three to four week timeline on this one. So I guess this was a relatively minor injury. I haven't seen a ton of detail as to the exact nature of this bone in his wrist. I feel like anytime you have surgery on your wrist, it should be a, you know, longer than a three or four week timeline. So I guess keep your eye on this one, but week one's not even off the table for him. I think maybe he dro drops around maybe two and redraft, but I think if you were a believer in Smith and Jigba, then, you know, you weren't probably going to start in the first couple weeks of the year. Anyway, I don't see a huge hit to his value at this point, unless, you know, something comes out, this injury is worse than we thought. Are you uh, still okay drafting him in, say, the eighth or ninth round and redraft? Or are you uh, not on? Absolutely. Okay. Well, re redraft, I'm a little, I guess, more not iffy on him because of this, but just because of the sure. Seattle situation. Okay. So you were Any kind of keeper format, I will snag JSN every single time right yep. there because next year he's probably a top three-round wide oh, yeah, receiver if for some reason Lockett's no longer on the team. So in uh any kind of keeper league i will snag up jsn anywhere i can redraft it'll depend on who else is on the table i think i like some other rookies a little bit more year one with their situations but still a huge fan of jsn not saying anything negative about the player yeah definitely could have been worse uh again i think slight hit and redraft but keeper leagues we're not really changing our valuation on uh jsn Devon A-Chain, he is considered week-to-week -week with a shoulder injury. This one a little ambiguous. We haven't gotten a ton of updates as to the exact nature of this one, uh, but it looked like he was running behind Mostert and uh, Jeff Wilson anyway. So I think the the uh, the steam has certainly been knocked off of the A-Chain train here so far in camp. I think in redraft, you're probably staying away. If you want to stash him on your bench, be my guest, but you're probably going to end up dropping him at some point in the first couple weeks. Uh, again, just this is a guy to keep your eye on in redraft and keeper leagues, take your shot in the late rounds, but I think you're going to have to wait a little bit for him to start making an impact. Yep, I agree with what you say there. He's going pretty high in both um, mock drafts and best ball drafts yeah, no this offseason, so... I yeah I'm ex I, in the next segment ADP risers and fallers. If we did this in two weeks, right before the last weekend of drafts, Devon A Chain's going to be a faller. Yeah. He's going to fall 
quite a bit. And um, yeah, like you said, if you want to take a late round flyer on him at that point, I'm okay with it, but he's probably getting dropped just due to lack of usage. Yeah. I like taking a, a flyer on either Mostert or Wilson and they're going later in drafts still at this Absolutely. point. Last time I saw ADP wise. So uh, go ahead and take your shot on one of those guys. You could have found yourself a starting running back in round, you know, 12 or 13. Terry McLaurin has turf toe. This is not good news. MRI did not show major damage. Uh, these, you know, these things similar to ankle sprains kind of have degrees of severity. It doesn't look like he's on the higher end here, but uh, you know, they say week one still in play. This is just an injury that like a high ankle sprain can kind of linger longer uh, than, you know, the player may anticipate and it may linger longer than, you know, they, they may be playing through turf toe for a few weeks after they get back. So, we can't count on Terry McLaurin once he's, you know, quote unquote healthy and on the field to be a hundred percent necessarily. Uh, so yeah, these injuries are are tough ones. They can linger. I really hope he just, you know, maybe sits out the first week or two and really gets this thing healthy before he comes back. But uh, this has me a little concerned. I was already the low guy on Terry McLaurin here, so I don't want to pump the brakes too much because I'm a little biased. But Cody, uh, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not a. Not, not great for him. I mean, in drafts, he's another guy who's probably going to end up – I wouldn't doubt it if him and Jahan Dotson get pretty close in drafts by the time – maybe not by the time we're drafting. I think he's still going to have a little bit more value than Jahan, but probably by the weekend later when I'm drafting in one of my other leagues, I would bet they're very, very similar in ADP. He looked great uh, yesterday. He's been, he's been solid for fantasy football. It's just – yeah, I, I don't want to draft an injured player – Basically, everyone is going to have some kind of minor injury throughout the season. I don't want that to be going into week one. Like, there's going to be injuries on your roster yeah. all season long. Why would you just start that headache to start the season? So, I'm not going to say he's off my draft board because I think that's one of the stupidest things people say this time of year. But he's definitely falling. If he falls in drafts, I will still scoop him up. I would probably prefer Jahan Dotson if he's still going later, even if it's just a round or half a round, whatever it is. But... If, if Terry's going to fall, I think I'm still going to be okay picking him up. Just at current ADP or even maybe around less, I'm probably passing on him. Yeah, buying, buying injury dips on players that get hurt in the preseason, especially with soft tissue injuries, usually not a great idea. I know we just recommended uh, still taking your shot on JSN. That one I feel a little more comfortable about. A broken bone is pretty black and white once he's healthy. You know, I think he's going to be yep. good to go. But uh, Terry McLaurin, like we said, there's going to be a lot of gray area here. So hopefully he uh, waits the appropriate amount of time and comes back when he's 100%. Otherwise, this thing could linger, uh, you know, who knows how long. Last bit of news here. Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield named starting quarterbacks for their respective teams. Sam Howell, the Washington Commanders, Baker Mayfield, the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think that completes our list of quarterback battles. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe every NFL team now has their week one starter named. I don't know how, um, I don't have a, a number on this, but I feel like this is probably one of the, the earliest times we've had all 32 starting quarterbacks. Yep completely figured out uh even before the last weekend of the preseason so uh just an interesting little note there someone please prove me wrong in the comments but uh i believe this is august are we sure? august 22nd pretty early for that yeah are we sure jared Siddham's not gonna beat out russell wilson for the denver job still? yeah i i god i hope not if if, if so then i am uh <laughs> i'm canceling my tickets in october and just uh, i'm gonna you know save the stress and not not go to not go all the way to denver to watch them instead uh, fair enough. <laughs> All right. That, that's fair. I, I just wanted to throw a little dig in there, yeah, that's, but uh, we'll talk about Sam Howell in the next segment. So I don't really want to talk about him too much. Baker. Cool. I bet Kyle Trask gets out on the field at some point this season. 100%. I don't see Baker starting all 17 games at all. So no, probably not. It's cool. He got the nod, but all it, all it tells me is Kyle Trask is not going to be an NFL quarterback. So if you if you're holding him in any kind of super flex dynasty league, unless you feel like you're going to need a spot start, you don't have to just hold Kyle Trask, uh, hoping that he was going to turn into anything after Brady's retirement. Yeah, I mean, if you were holding him to this point, I feel like he might be just you know, he's going to play. So you might want to just hold on to him and give him a look in an actual NFL regular season game. But like you said, yeah, it's not a great, not a great look that he's been there for two years and still can't beat out uh, Baker Mayfield who just got there uh, this summer and looked horrible last year in Carolina, a little better in LA, but uh, yeah, that's not, that's not a high bar of competition necessarily. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to our preseason week two observations here. I only have a few. Again, uh, there wasn't a ton of starters playing uh, across the board on this week two slate. 
So we only have a few observations to go off of here, but the Giants have been one of the uh, most impressive first-team offenses so far in the uh, the preseason. They impressed again in Week 2. Uh, Waller looked really good on the one drive that he played. I believe it was only one drive, but they scored a touchdown on it. Uh, Daniel Jones had targeted Waller four times on the first drive, had three catches for 30 yards. Are we moving up on him? I know we were both a little lower. I think we had him at tight end nine when we discussed the tight ends originally. Uh, have we risen on Waller at all, or are you still kind of holding firm there? Um, I mean, he's probably moving up over some guys. I don't mind drafting him at his ADP, but I'm definitely not reaching any more past that. Um, I think he has difference-making potential at the tight end position. There's really no doubt about that. It's just I don't I don't really want to have to trust Darren Waller. He's he's not I hate using injury prone, but he's basically been injury prone for the past few years. So to trust him to stay healthy and spend a you know fifth, sixth, maybe no, it's definitely fifth, sixth round pick. Yeah. You're you know there's still some really good players there. So. Personally, when I'm doing a lot of the mocks for our YouTube, I tend to just stay away from tight ends unless I can get Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey falls to the end of the first. So I probably am not changing up on that strategy too much. If Waller falls a little bit, he gets into the seventh. I'll take the shot on him, sure. But at ADP, it would depend on who else is on the board. Yeah, I kind of echo your analysis there. I am. I think we do this a lot in the preseason. We're always trying to find tight ends beyond the first one or two guys that are going to be difference makers for us. Uh, you know, it's a hard position to fill during the year. No one likes to stream all year long, so we always want to find that round seven tight end that's going to be a solid starter for us all year long. But every year, it does not seem to work out that way. So. Um, Darren Waller, I'm like you said, I'm okay taking a shot on him in, in, in the in the eighth round, seventh round, maybe if you're uh, really bullish. But I I just don't want to overreact too much to this preseason action. It did look really good. I like the target share. It's uh, you know it's it's in conjunction with what we've heard from beat writers uh, about camp. Uh, Jones has apparently been targeting him uh, quite a bit, but uh, I just feel like in, it's going to be hard for him to be consistent in a in a passing offense that just doesn't offer a ton of upside in totality in the Giants. So. Uh, I think we're both probably still a little bit off of Waller, especially if he's rising into the fifth or sixth round. Give me running backs or wide receivers in that area, no doubt. Without a doubt, yep. This one, a, a slight positive piece for Damian Pierce. He, his stats don't look great at the end of the day, but he ran ahead of Devin Singletary. He uh, received third down work. He basically, they gave him the first two drives of the game. Uh, then he came out. CJ Stroud still played another drive after that with Singletary, but... They didn't bring Singletary in, you know, on the drives to mix in on third downs or anything like that. They just gave Damian Pierce both those drives. So, you know, who knows what that means? Maybe that means it'll be two drives on, one drive off for Pierce, or maybe that just means he'll be the primary runner. But I think either way, it's encouraging that, you know, him and Singletary aren't splitting snaps right down the middle with the first team or anywhere close to it. It looks like Pierce is the clear lead guy here. Yep, I think he is a right where he's at at ADP currently. I think if you can keep taking him there, I would grab him there. I think he's a good candidate for zero RB. Yeah, if you need some middle round running backs, so um, take your shot on him. I Singletary has not really proven to be that great of a running back while his with his time in Buffalo. So I think what we saw from Damian Pierce last year was truly impressive, especially on a bad offense. Uh, as long as he stay help, stays healthy, I'd bet that he beats his ADP this season. Yeah, I like what you said there with the zero RB build. I think it just kind of depends on how your roster construction is going when you get to, say, round five. If Pierce is there, I think he's good value there. He doesn't offer a ton of upside just because the offense is going to you know cap it a little bit. It's going to be hard for him to score double-digit touchdowns with Houston, but he's going to get a ton of work and be really solid every week, I believe. Similar to last season, but with a slight uptick in offensive production overall, I think with Stroud under center, so... Uh, in the fifth round as an RB1, a guy that's just going to be a really solid running back for you. I like him quite a bit, uh, especially if that means you've loaded up on you know wide receiver, tight end, or quarterback in the first four rounds. The Steelers' offense looks good again against the Bills' ones. Uh, Jalen Warren breaks off a huge touchdown run. Um, Cody, uh, I, I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on anyone in the, uh, the Steelers' offense, but... Just give me some comments on the Steelers as a whole. Is there anyone you're rising on, or are you, again, just trying to uh, fan the flames of preseason action? 
Um, I've actually been a little bit excited about the Steelers this offseason in general. I actually have a decent amount of Deontay Johnson and Kenny Pickett in best ball lineups. I was looking at my exposure today and uh, was kind of surprised how often I've actually drafted both those guys. Um, I just think, you know, Kenny Pickett in his second year should have a little bit of a uptick in efficiency. Um and just overall, just knowledge of the offense. Obviously, the upgraded offensive line. At least we hope it's an upgrade. I know we're bringing a rookie in, but hopefully, it's got to be better than last year. I can't remember where they were at, but I know they were towards the bottom of the league. And then, um, yeah, but you know, the guys, guys, I'm going to stay away from. Honestly, there's going to be George Pickens on this team, and then I, I'm before I say Jalen Warren. Do you do you think Jalen Warren can break out and become the RB one on this team? Oh, uh, I don't want to believe that's it. That's how I feel. I can't I, make I don't want to believe to draft he Jaylen looks Warren, good, but... Cody. I really like the way he looks on the field. Yeah. I think he really offers something that Najee does not. Just like as a player, you can really see it when he gets out there. I mean, Najee Harris is not running by safeties like Warren did on that long touchdown run. I know it's one play and you don't want to overreact to that, but I could I could legitimately see Jalen Warren being a usable asset, especially in PPR leagues as a flex. And then, you know, having that built-in upside like Kareem Hunt for so long. Whenever Nick Chubb went down, you know, he was an RB1. I think if Jalen Warren were to be the feature guy here, he'd be, you know, a top 12 running back immediately as well as a usable asset. So I think if he's in the, you know, 10th, 11th round, he's one of those guys like Samaj P. Ryan and others that you can take, maybe actually use him while he's healthy, and then he's also a great handcuff. So I I like the idea of taking him, but don't go crazy. You know, not 8th or ninth round, I'm probably looking elsewhere. Yeah, I I feel like people sometimes give this Jalen Warren and Najee Harris backfield. I've seen it on Facebook a little bit in some different groups, the Zeke Pollard treatment from last year. I don't think we're getting that level of production from Jalen Warren, but like you said, is he probably more like an A.J. Dillon style? Probably. He's going to get enough to be flexible you know, if you need a player, but probably just a very high-tier handcuff is the way that I see it working out, but – you never know when it comes to running backs if one, you know, I don't want to say Najee's shot, but if Najee's not as good as the Steelers drafted him to be and Jalen Warren is constantly outperforming him, yeah, we've seen it across the league. They will move off of running backs in a heartbeat for a better running back, especially younger, potentially cheaper. Is Jalen Warren younger? I know Najee he is. I bet he because he was a he was a rookie last season. So if he's younger, he's maybe wow, a year okay. younger. Uh, I know Najee was pretty old when yeah. he came into the league too. I think he was a, a 23 year old rookie. So I will double check that real quick. But I have to imagine I'm looking Warren's up 24, and Harris is probably 25. If I had to guess, this is fantastic audio. Yep, he is 25 years old. So, uh, only a year younger, but yep. still slightly younger. I this this situation really reminds me of the uh, the Chargers a few years ago. Uh, undrafted. Oh, there you in. go. That's... He's more of the pass catching role type of guy, but then he just you know is a better player, and they start slowly letting him take over the work for the first round running back that you know maybe wasn't quite the dynamic player they thought he was going to be. Obviously, I'm referring to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Not calling Jalen Warren Austin Eckler, but you never know. Uh, this situation is kind of playing out similarly to this uh, to this stage. I think he's worth a flyer. I'm probably a little higher than you on are on him. Honestly, it's just because of the player. I like him. I like him a lot. And lastly, that's fair. Yeah. For preseason week two observations, Washington's offense looks great. I think that was probably one of the best preseason games of all time. By the way, Baltimore didn't really play a ton of their starters. Their 24 game win streak finally comes to an end. It took a 49 yard field goal at the gun to win 29 to 28. Uh, the Commanders ended their uh, their very lengthy winning streak in the preseason. But uh, Sam Howell looked great. Uh, Dotson looked really good. Unfortunately, Tara McLaurin did get banged up in this game. Obviously, we referred to that earlier with the turf toe, so that's disappointing. But um, they were playing against Baltimore's backups, so just remember that as well. But the running backs were really involved too. Robinson, uh, he got four targets. Uh, Gibson actually got you know four or five carries, pretty similar to Robinson. They pretty much just split work. I was uh, I was impressed with this Washington offense. Uh, again, Baltimore backups. It's preseason. Not overreacting, but I was already pretty high on guys like Dotson and Robinson anyway. So this is kind of just confirming those uh, those feelings I had. Yeah, I uh, another name I want to throw out there. Uh, maybe he can, he can get some Daniel Bellinger type treatment. Is Cole Turner? 
Uh, it looks like Sam Love Howell has uh, has really, really been targeting uh, Cole Turner in the game. And then I watched – it was a long third down he was looking for him on as well as another pretty important play on either the first or second drive for the commander. So okay. just so he's a tight end. Like Nick said earlier, we don't want to dig into this and just find reasons to – pump up the tight end position, but this guy's already going to be a last-round pick if you take the flyer on him. I just think it's interesting. Sam Howell looked pretty strong for you know being preseason, not against the ones. I understand all that, but there's a certain level of – when you watch Trey Lance play and when you watch Sam Howell play, there's a different level of quarterback between those Good two point. players, and there's no doubt about that, whether they're playing the ones or they're not. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how I felt about that situation. If Terry McLaurin's going to be injured or limited, I think Cole Turner could come in and just make a little bit of a statement. Uh, I don't think the commanders have really anyone else in the tight end room that's going to be that level of a pass catcher. So just a little name I wanted to throw out there. Uh, I think that – you know, could be interesting. Like I said, maybe gets a little Daniel Bellinger treatment to start the season. Yeah, both of us are going to have to pick a flyer tight end. I guess you might settle on Cole Turner. I'll have to go uh, go digging for a uh, you know a not top twenty guy that we can follow this year and hope he scores a couple touchdowns. Uh, Zay Flowers played on the other side of the uh, the ball here. He looked really good. He had a sweet touchdown catch. We made a few guys miss. So I'm very uh, very high on Dotson and Flowers in rounds. You know, say seven to nine. I, I'm hoping to get at least one of them in all my drafts. Uh, any other observations from yep. week two? Nope, I am good to go. Let's jump into some ADP risers and fallers. Uh, I believe you got these off of Fantasy Pros. I did. We're going to uh, start with some risers here. Yeah, they, they provided me with a pretty nifty article, actually, that kind of laid all of them out um, from the beginning of camp to now. So that was helpful uh, on Fantasy Pros, a, a pretty reputable site, similar to NFC, a lot of sharp drafters uh, using this site. So sure. I think it's pretty useful. First riser is Romeo Dobbs. He has jumped about 15 spots from 140 to 125. He's had a productive preseason with Jordan Love under center. Consistent steam from beat riders on the connection with Jordan Love. We were mentioning this back in you know mini camps in June, so it's been uh, you know a constant theme for him. Are we buying this uh, this rise here for Romeo Dobbs, and does it make you downgrade Christian Watson? Um, are we buying the rise? I guess because I've kind of always been in on Romeo Dobbs if I don't get Christian Watson in a draft. He's been going in the last or second to last round in most of the mocks on Sleeper. So if he continues to be down there, absolutely. If he comes up a couple rounds, it's still a flyer you know, level pick. I'm perfectly fine with it. Any kind of PPR format, I think he gets a little bit of a bump I'm willing to, to take. And then does it make me downgrade Christian Watson? I wouldn't say it makes me downgrade him too much. I still think Christian Watson's the more overall impressive athlete and probably is more explosive on a week-to-week basis. I think if we got to see both players complete ceilings, I think Christian Watson's would be significantly higher. Um, but you know, on an offense that may already be somewhat limited passing in the um, with Jordan Love, I don't know how much they're really going to trust him in the regular season. So. You know, I Christian Watson is one of those guys that if there's really no one else that I like where he's at, he's my tier break. Like he would be at a tier, and then after him would be a couple of guys a little bit lower. If he's the last guy available on that tier, I'll scoop him up, but I'm not reaching into or ahead of his ADP to get myself Christian Watson. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think I think Watson's you know volatility is kind of baked into his ADP already. He would be higher than a round five pick if you were guaranteed you know elite volume from what we saw last year. He's a pretty good player. He's obviously got the the top end speed. So I think the role in the offense is obviously the question. But at round five ADP, you're kind of uh, you know you're already getting the discount on the the questionable role in the offense. I don't think much has changed for him. But Romeo Dobbs, I'm okay taking the flyer. Here are some guys that are going around him in ADP. So let's see who we'd rather have here. Juju Smith-Schuster just ahead of him. I'll take Dobbs. Dobbs. Bateman right behind him. Uh, I would probably take Dobbs there as well. I am hoping to have Zay Flowers. So if that's the case, I will take Dobbs. Otherwise, if I don't have Flowers, I'd probably go Bateman. And that's just my lack of trust in OBJ coming. Through. Yeah, Zay is two spots ahead of Dobbs. I think we'd both prefer him to Romeo Dobbs. Michael Thomas is three spots ahead of Dobbs, who I would probably. I'll take Thomas, but I don't have a strong lean. I think they're pretty similar. Uh, they profile pretty similarly at this point, kind of run heavy offenses, possession style receivers. 
Yeah, I would say I'd probably still lean Michael Thomas just slightly just because if he does happen to have a bounce back season, I think his ceiling is higher than Romeo Dobbs in the Green Bay offense. So uh, I'd probably slightly lean Michael Thomas, but I really like where he's going. I think he should be right around all those guys. Yeah, solid uh, solid value at his ADP even after it's risen a little bit. Uh, so yeah, if you want to take the shot in round 11 or 12, I'm just fine with it. Probably better in PPR than non, so just consider that. But uh, we're... I don't know if we're buying the Dobbs height necessarily, but uh, he's still at a point where you're not killing yourself taking him in the uh, you know round eleven. It's it's a, it's a fine pick to make in that range. Calvin Ridley's our next riser. We've been talking about him quite a bit, so I won't belabor everything uh, we've discussed. But he's looked healthy. He's looked back to form so far in camp. Uh, he's gone from thirty eight earlier in the process to thirty three overall at this point. Are we comfortable drafting Ridley in round three? Oh man, you are, uh, that is, that is tough right there. I, uh, personally, I think I'm probably higher on Calvin Ridley than you are. I think I've bought in into the hype a little bit, but round three, that's tough. It's um, pricey. honestly, probably, probably not. I, I think that part of the Ridley, the, the draw to Ridley was that he was such a value when he was going in the mid to late fourth round, or even, even, even in around the three, four turn, if there's a couple guys I don't like as much off the board, I would snag them. But it, it, it's probably just going to keep going up. Like the hype for Ridley is not going to stop. If he would play in a pre, would have played in a preseason game, maybe got to see him out there on the field and pads, I maybe would be okay with it. But it's very risky, man. It's it's two years off of football that you are trusting to come back here and be and be really good. So. Let's play That's another ADP game, Cody. I'm going to list the Love four it. wide receivers, two ahead and two below Calvin Ridley. Rank him inside of this grouping. T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and Keenan Allen. Rank Calvin Ridley amongst those four wide receivers. Yep, absolutely. I'm sorry. Who was the first name you said? T. Higgins. I'm taking T. Higgins over Calvin Ridley yep. for sure. T. Higgins, number one. Um, I would take... I would take Calvin Ridley over DK Metcalf. Okay. I would take Calvin Ridley. This is tough. I think I'd probably take him over Debo. And if it's for my wide receiver one, I may consider taking him over Keenan Allen for the complete upside play. Um, If I already have a really good wide receiver one, I probably would just grab Keenan Allen at that point. So maybe a little bit of a cop-out on the answer there, just building the roster in my head. But I think Ridley's upside, if he hits, is extremely high. You are just taking on a lot of risk for a third-round pick. So It is. I, I Like I said, I, I think I'd take T. Higgins over him, and then if he's my wide receiver one in the third round, I better hope my running backs can carry me, and I'm going to be taking as many wide receivers as I can in the middle rounds to supplement Ridley if he happens to not be all that we are hyping him up to be. Yeah, this one is so tough for me. I just loved Calvin Ridley as a player before, um, you know, the suspension and the the two missed years essentially at this point. So it's a really tough call for me. I think I would uh, mostly agree with you. I'd have Higgins ahead of him for sure. I would take him over Metcalf. I think the one guy I would be different on is I would take Samuel over Ridley. Uh, I just think He's being a little discounted right now. Uh, he's probably not. He's wide receiver 17 in ADP right now. He is better than the 17th best wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. Keenan Allen is completely about roster construction. I think you made a good point there. Ridley is certainly a better profile for uh, half and non-PPR leagues. I'd probably take uh, Allen in full PPR, or if I was you know, building a roster to swing for the fences for whatever reason, I'd lead Ridley as well. So uh, you made a good point there with roster construction and Calvin Ridley. Uh, do you have anything to add there? Nope. Let's get on to our third guy. One more riser here. That is Alvin Kamara. It's a modest rise from 73 to 68, but one I think we did not expect coming into this process here. Uh, I think the confirmed three-game suspension, you know, rather than the allure of a six-game suspension or maybe a suspension deeper into the year if he were to, uh, you know, appeal any of this stuff, but... A solid three-game suspension is, um, you know, manageable for fantasy owners, I believe. Uh, and then in combination with the Kendra Miller injury, he's actually back. He played week two of preseason. We did not expect that necessarily, so I don't know if we can count on that anymore. But that's caused the modest rise here. Do we like Kamara in round six? It would be round seven in ten team leagues, but uh, round six and twelve and fourteen. Uh 
I don't think so personally. I I'm gonna pull up. I'm pulling up ADP now. Let me get some names around him because again, it really what it comes down to. I mean, the player overall, I think, has just been on a little bit of a decline. Just you know, when we look at his numbers from last year, I do think Jamal Williams poses a decent threat. Ooh, I've got oh, it for you here if you want to look at it. There we go. Sorry, my 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 thing cut out for a second. Oh, you're I'll fine. Get that edited out, but. Um, again, I think he was on just a little bit of a decline from last year. I do think Jamal Williams poses a threat. Even when Kamara comes back, Jamal Williams was an elite goal line guy last year. The Saints would be crazy if they didn't use him in a similar kind of situation. Um, so I'm just going to go. I'll go two names above, two names after. I'm going to throw it to you this time and put you on the spot. Sure. Would you go James Conner or Alvin Kamara? And you can change your answer based on format because I think James Conner has a very strong value in PPR. I think Kamara does too, though. They profile pretty similarly to me, but you don't have to wait three weeks for Conner. It is a worse offense, but he has less competition. That is an interesting one. I'll probably go Conner with the, uh, the suspension as the tiebreaker. Yeah, this next guy, I think I know where you're going to go, and I think I might actually be on the opposite side. Cam Akers or Alvin Kamara? Oh, that is that is tough. I've been rising on Akers a little bit just because his opportunity is so good, but okay. I'll take Kamara. I, I will still just take Kamara just because I think Kam- there's a chance Akers is unusable by week four if you know the offense just goes away from him for whatever reason. We've seen it happen before. Yep, 100%. If you're drafting Cam Akers, you're really hoping that what you saw at the end of last season was just a fully healthy Cam Akers. We've heard that before, ACL's too. He's fully healed, and he is he is ready to roll. Yeah, I, I this totally This is not understand. the first time and he's had a great me, stretch. From a guy who drafted so. Akers and, and held him way too long last year, he, he would probably come back to bite me. I the shot's tough because, like you said, by the time Kamara comes back, you might be dropping Acres to go pick up another asset. <laughs> You're going to be really wishing you had Alvin Kamara. So. Acres has higher upside. That one's no a doubt. tough one. Um, yeah, the next guy I think is pretty obvious: Isaiah Pacheco, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think Kamara. we're both pretty easily on the Kamara yeah. side there. Absolutely. No, Pacheco. Okay, interesting one: Dalvin Montgomery, Alvin Kamara. You still on Alvin Kamara? Dalvin there? Montgomery. Is this some new uh, combination of I, players that I haven't heard before? Or? You are one hundred percent correct. You have to answer between both Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery. Uh, I'll take David Montgomery. This is actually this is perfect. I'll take Montgomery over Kamara, and I will take Kamara over Cook. So I put them right in the middle, or put Kamara right in the middle of those two. Okay, perfect. Awesome, awesome. Kamara Cook probably in PPR. I think I take I think Kamara and PPR were both of them, but in half and non, give me Montgomery. Beautiful. Awesome. I, I don't really tend to disagree with you that much. I've actually been rising a little bit on David Montgomery just with the whole Detroit situation. I think their running backs will really benefit if that offense is as good as people are projecting. And then uh, Dalvin, we're actually going to get into Dalvin in the next segment. Yeah, so let's we are. Just, let's just skip that a point. Surprising we'll we'll talk too. about him here in just a minute. Yeah, so. let's go ahead and just jump Absolutely. right into let's him. Into uh, yeah, let's jump into the fallers. We'll start off with Dalvin Cook here. Uh, this one is interesting. It's it's a modest drop. It's only 72 to 75, but very rarely do you see a free agent sign with a team and then drop an ADP. Uh, so not typical. I guess a lot of people were hoping he'd end up in Miami we'd, where he'd be a little bit more of the unquestioned one. That in combination with Brees coming off the pup list has probably led to him, you know, a slight dip, but still uh, very, very atypical for a, you know, a decent free agent this late into the game to sign with a team and then dip in ADP. So. Uh, how are we feeling about him in round seven? I know my answer, but uh, what what do you think of? You know, this is an interesting strategy. I don't know how it would pan out, but if you could somehow scoop Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, <laughs> I think I'd <laughs> a be good okay pairing, with that. Yeah. I think Dalvin Cook's value, Dalvin Cook's value is going to be the first quarter of the season. Yep. If Brees Hall is still, you know, nursing the knee injury just a little bit, he's probably going to get a little bit more of the touches. But once Brees Hall is healthy and he's a full go, I just don't think Dalvin Cook can keep up with him anymore. So, I, yeah, I don't love Dalvin Cook long term. I think if you do have him at some point, he's going to be a, just a roster clog and quite a headache because you're not going to feel confident to play him as a running back too. But you know, you may be able to flex him if he gets a touchdown. That's I think that's the conversations we're going to be having surrounding Dalvin Cook when we get yeah. to rounds five and six. So. I'm sorry, weeks five and six. I am 
Ooh, it is getting late. I am just losing my <laughs> mind over here. I cannot talk. Oh, you're all good, um, Cody. But um, that's my synopsis. I'll throw it back over. Yeah, to I'm you. not a huge fan of Cook in this range or even around later. I think he's probably a slightly better version of what we'd expect from Jamal Williams. We kind of laid that out earlier. Uh, it's going to be a similar situation. Both of them, you know, obviously Williams taking over for the suspended Camaro for the first three weeks and Cook taking over for the injured Hall. Who knows how long he takes to get back, but I think once he's healthy, he's a much better back than Cook at this stage in their career. And the other problem that I have with Dalvin is that uh, the Jets have other good running backs. We saw Zonovan Knight be really effective for a couple weeks last year. Michael Carter, not an inspiring back necessarily, but a solid pass catcher, someone who can spell on third downs. Um, so I yeah, and then uh, they they had a, they have a rookie that's also kind of impressed, uh, Abanacanda, I believe. Uh, hopefully, I'm not butchering that pronunciation, but uh, just a lot of mouths in that running back room, even without Brees. So I I don't love Cook even in the seventh round. I think there's other players like a Khalil Herbert, um, like a like we just talked about, like a Camara. I would rather take those guys that are more guaranteed touches, in my opinion, long-term. Cook uh, is probably a, a play, like you said, for the first quarter of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, the next faller here makes me very sad, but I had to include it for the people. Uh, this is Rashad Penny. I was very high on him early in the process, but I have definitely cooled off as the tea leaves have uh, you know, turned against him at this point. He's only fallen 11 spots. I'm surprised. I thought it would be more than that, but he was at 99 uh, overall. Now he's at 110. Preseason usage has been very concerning. He's been playing. Uh, deep into these second quarters, running clearly behind Swift and Gainwell uh, in these games. And the drumbeat from the beat writers have kind of echoed this sentiment to this point. There's a chance he doesn't even make the roster, uh, depending on how things shake out. So um, where are you on Penny right now? Yeah, I mean, not much has really changed. I mean, if he's going at the end of your drafts and you want to take the random shot on him and hope that he's still – is on the team like Rashad Penny's going to get drafted in our mini dynasty league just because of how deep it is. Oh, yeah. And if he gets cut, someone will happily go pick up someone off the waiver. So I don't hate that. Um, I'm probably leaning Gainwell if I'm taking any of these guys because he's also a super late round guy yeah. that has been there. But at the same time, you know, Gainwell was clearly running behind Miles Sanders last year. So if the Eagles loved him a whole bunch, you know, you probably think that he'd get a little bit more work last year. It's one of those weird things. Honestly, all these Eagles guys, give me the last one off the draft board. And after week one or two, if I don't see the value, I will be okay cutting bait. I think this is a clear running back by committee. Even I think Gainwell's gotten some hype being one of the better pass catchers, which is basically what Swift was, you know, kind of I think brought in to do. So that's kind of confusing. I'm give me the last one and I'd be okay with it. If it happens to be Penny, I'll take Penny and just trust his talent to, to work out. Yeah. But I, I don't really feel too good about any Eagles running backs in general. Yeah, I was really high on Penny early in the process. I just love his talent as a pure runner, profiled similarly to Miles Sanders, in my opinion, uh, coming into training camp here. But yeah, tea leaves have been really bad so far, and the preseason usage has, again, we don't want to react to that stuff, but a lot of the times it, it does tell us where coaches kind of see uh, their current roster you know, as it pertains to the depth chart, so... The fact that Penny is running as the three or four is a really bad news, especially because, you know, the first and second downs is where he's going to make his hay. So if he's uh, that far back in the uh, the pecking order right now, it doesn't look good. I'm okay taking him at 110 just because, again, that's not going to kill you at that point in the draft. If that's round 10 or 11, go ahead and take your shot. But I'd probably rather wait till to, to just grab Gainwell if you are dead set on getting a piece of this Eagles backfield. 100%. Last rankings, fallers, Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I tried not to include anybody uh, falling due to injury, uh, but Burks has actually been falling uh, regardless of, you know, it's it came out that the injury happened and he has been consistently falling since that point as well. So I thought it was okay to include him. And Hopkins also been falling. Uh, this one's a little strange though. Hard to tell why. Not much has happened in the way of injury or performance to explain Hopkins' fall. I think people are just kind of maybe realizing how run-heavy this Tennessee offense tends to be, and uh, it may be difficult for DeAndre to uh, you know, be a consistent asset unless he's getting a 30% target share or something like that. But how do you feel about Hopkins in round five right now? 
Yeah, I'm looking around the guys that he's going around. I mean, we're looking like yeah, DJ Moore, Keenan game. Allen, Christian Watson, Jerry, Judy. I'm taking all those guys yep. over. You haven't said a name yet. Um, I so would take over. No surprise that he's falling in ADP. I wouldn't doubt it if he falls a few more <laughs> spots. Um, I think I'd probably take him over Terry just based on situation. Yep. Um, How about Drake London? Drake London, Ooh. I think I'd take him over Drake London still. That's a close um, one for me. In... Yeah, it is a close one for me because I do think Drake London is the better player at this point in both of their careers. But I just – your point – your again, I'll give you 100% credit this. Your point on just if you're going to draft Drake London, just draft Kyle Pitts in another round yeah. and get that piece of the, of the offense, that's kind of just been ingrained in my mind. So I'm kind of just off of Drake London uh, where he's going. I'd take – I think I'd still take him over Christian Kirk. Uh, just with the with the Calvin Ridley hype, but that one's really close to me. And then I think he's probably comfortably over the guys underneath him. Yeah, uh, Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, George Pickens, Tyler Lockett. So I think he could probably fall another three or maybe two to three spots um, from where he is even currently. But if he does, I'm okay with it. I don't mind taking the shot on him. I believe he's going into his year 31 year. We typically see wide receivers go – 33, 34, before we really see a big drop-off. They got a, a pretty good lead on running backs in that situation. So I don't necessarily hate that. It's just well, the round, around the guys he's going around, I understand why he's falling in ADP. It makes sense to me. Yeah, I think the situation was just not quite as good as maybe everybody was making it out to be. Um, like you said, the, the only wide receiver really, we've really seen be – uh, effective year to year in this Tennessee offense was AJ Brown. And that was because he was super efficient down the field. That's not really DeAndre Hopkins's game. He's going to have to, you know, be doing it with the 15 to 20 yard chunk plays over the middle and kind of the short area game where he excels. So we'll see if Tennessee is able to adjust their offense to that, but that's not really been their style uh, in the Tannehill era necessarily. So I think that question in combination with the fact that, like you said, he's not, not necessarily falling off the cliff yet, but he's not getting any better at this stage in his career. He's 31. He's leveled off. Um, I think there are more intriguing, higher upside options in the range he is going in right now that I'd rather shoot my shot on. If he falls to round six in a PPR format, I'd probably go ahead and take him there just for the uh, you know the safety and the reliability. But uh, round five still a little too rich for me. Yep, I, I tend to agree with you on him. Um, for Traylon Burks, I'll go ahead and take the lead on this one. I think um, a, a piece of content I put out, short-form content I put out about Traylon Burks, basically the reason why I believe he's falling is just we've never seen uh, Ryan Tannehill really support a good wide receiver too. So if you are taking him, you are basically banking on him becoming either the number one option in Tennessee or Ryan Tannehill upgrading at this point in his career. I think both are kind of wild. Um, so I do think he's probably has a little bit more upside than the guys he's going around. So I think you'd probably make this point. If you want to draft Leighton in your drafts, you want up, upside guys, guys like Brandon Cooks, guys like Michael Thomas, Corliss Sutton, Juju Smith-Schuster, all guys going around Traylon Burks, we basically know what they're going to be. So if you want the upside shot, it would be Traylon Burks, but – at this point in my draft, I'm probably looking at tight ends, probably looking to see what quarterbacks are available if I don't have one. This is not my favorite range of, of wide receivers. If we wait just a little bit longer, you get into guys I like, like Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Elijah Moore. So this kind of just whole grouping of wide receivers, I'm just not a huge fan yeah, of. Yeah, you, you laid it out perfectly because that's the uh, that's the problem I have as well. I like, I like the player quite a bit. I was going to be really, really high on him if he was going to come into this year as the, the be a number one in Tennessee. I probably would have taken him as a you know top 25 type of receiver. But I, I do also prefer a lot of the first and second year guys that are going behind him, like you said. Uh, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston. Um, uh, let's see here. There was one more I had, but. Uh, a lot of those guys in that range I prefer over him already. Uh, John Hahn, Dotson, Jordan Addison. I prefer all those guys to him. If you get into, you know, if he falls a little bit further and you're looking at guys like Juju, Michael Thomas, Rashad Bateman, uh, Romeo Dobbs, those types of kind of lower ceiling sort of plays, I am okay with taking him at that point. But he's got to fall a little bit further for me to be interested because I'd rather just, you know, take whoever at the pick that I'm looking at, you know, Traylon Burks' range and then wait, wait around grab me Quentin Johnston or Zay Flowers as my, you know, high upside play, and they're going to come into the year healthy as well. 
Absolutely. 100%. I, I think that that wraps up some risers and fallers there for you. Obviously, plenty of more that, that we could get into. So if there's any guys that you want to, you know, you're curious why they're rising or falling, shoot us a DM, shoot us a comment on any of the videos or any of the content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Be happy to answer your questions. Uh, Nick, you're going to have any, or actually, before I send it back over to you, we will have a rookie report. We're going to go over running backs, wide receivers, Maybe multiple tight ends, but at least Dalton Kincaid. We'll see what happens when we get there. Uh, coming out the following day, so and then actually wide receivers will be the following day. So it should be three straight days of Fantasy Podcast coming your way. So make sure you're on the lookout for those. Make sure you're sharing. Make sure you're subscribed. All the good stuff. Even if you are already subscribed, unsubscribe, resubscribe again. Just make the notification pop off again. It makes me feel good when I'm looking at the YouTube. So. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, I like that last uh, Nick, note. any final words for the people? No, I was just gonna. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say the the rookie reports will be coming out together now instead of at the end of this episode. We ran a little long on the uh, the risers and fallers, so we didn't want to uh, you know drown on too long here. We're at an hour, so we'll go ahead and cut it off and then just combine the uh, the wide receivers and the running backs into one episode. Yep, love it. Awesome, Nick. I will talk to you tomorrow. Peace, Peace. out, everybody.